right before stepping in front of the camera there, I was struck with this great sense of fear. It's, it's um, hard coming back from that first episode. Um, welcome to this week in sparkling water. I'm your host, Joachim Axon. <clears throat> Just walked up the stairs, a little bit winded. So where do we start? So this is episode 52. Last episode I was, it was the first episode with video. And in that episode, I was talking about how I was feeling self-conscious about my, uh, my stupid face and my weak chin and bad skin and terrible haircut. And then I also mentioned sort of in passing that maybe my biggest thing would be something else that I didn't even know about. And I said that you guys should should make fun of me. You should make fun of my ugly face in the comment section because that's like a fear of mine. And if you just do that, then it'll be better. Um, and as I say that, it's like, maybe it'll be worse, but I'm assuming it's going to be better. Um... So I was like, here's some things I'm self-conscious about. Feel free to make fun of those things. But maybe my worst fear is something I don't even know about. And I'm sensing a theme here. Like, I think this is going to be the theme of this season. Like, how we do not know ourselves. And, like, we think we want something, but but we don't know why. And what we really want is something else. Anyway, watching the first ep- first video there. What I realized is what 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 is terrible about me is my teeth look fucked up, dude. My teeth look fucked up. And it's like I didn't know that. So it's a little bit like I did, you know, like you have a competition every week and it's like, can you guess? And then if you you guess, and then if you guess correct, you win something. And in this in in this competition, it was like, can you guess what I'm most self-conscious about, about myself? And if you made fun of my teeth in the comment section, then you won. Because that's where we're at. So I watched it and then I was like awake all night on my phone in my bed. Like, oh, my eyes are tearing up a little bit talking about this. Um, Googling like... I was up all night, like, Googling um, teeth surgery. <laughs> Can I, like, teeth shaving? Because it's my front teeth, dude. They, in the first episode, they don't, they look uneven as fuck. And, um, yeah, I have many things to say about it. I don't even know where to start. I'm just going to jump around a little bit. One thing that it really brings back is, like, from the old, you know, the old packed full trauma basement what walked up from the from the basement was like this one <laughs> memory from oh it's so like why do i always talk about this but like i was married for like 5 years and and like my wife she got a little bit mean at the end and i was very guilty of a lot of things and it kind of fell apart and it was both of us and everything but there's this one time where she said now the way tra- like the way really strong memories work is kind of like at least for me it's like a lot of times i don't remember what happened before it or after it like maybe after it i remember a little bit but i don't have any idea what was said before this she said this and i have no idea what i said to make her say this and i probably was saying i was probably being shitty from context of what you said i was probably being shitty <laughs> so she said well, you have janky-ass European teeth. <laughs> well, you have janky-ass European teeth. That's what she said to me. And I was like, what? What? I didn't know that. Like, I, no one had ever said anything bad about my teeth before. Oh. And I immediately, I only sort of remember what I said as response, but I got defensive, obviously, and, like, my feelings were immediately hurt, and I immediately felt, like, unsure of myself. She was very good at, like, getting me off balance. Um, But so what I did was um, 
I turned it into a metaphor about like the difference between America and Europe. Cause, cause it's like her teeth having grown up as a woman in like a wealthy American context, her teeth were extremely straight and extremely white and members of the dental healthcare community had spent a lot of time on the cosmetic aspect of her teeth. And my teeth, like I had some teeth pulled because they were growing out crooked. And then I had braces for years. Like things were done cosmetically to my teeth, but maybe not as much as if I had lived in America, grown up in America or whatever. Um, but I made it about this other thing that there's like that aspect, but then there's the actual health of your teeth. And she had had many, um, I'm so thirsty right now. It's so good that we got water to review. She had had plenty of cavities. And I have, she had had plenty of problems with her teeth. And I've, I'm 34 years old, almost 35, you know, kicking 40s door down. I'm aging, all of that. But that's not what I was going to say. I was going to say that I've never had any cavities. I've never, yeah, let's lose the hat. I've never had any cavities. I've never had the beginning of a cavity. Um, my teeth are in perfect health. And I always felt pride in how my teeth are, how I never had any cavities. And um, oh, these are some, these are some dirty glasses. Um, but I didn't know that I had janky ass European teeth. And then I, you know, took that statement and I like stuffed it down in a box and I'm like, no, no, you have had cavities, blah, blah, blah. And I stuffed it down in a box and it stayed in that box locked away for years until a few days ago when I watched the first episode of uh, the video season of This Week in Sparkling Water. And then it came back up. <laughs> and I was like, fuck, my teeth are fucked up looking. My front teeth, like my left front tooth is way bigger than my right front tooth. The waters are shifting in their bucket of ice. Ooh, they're looking crispy, dude. These waters cannot wait to be, to be consumed. Where was I? Yeah. Look, and the reason I could put it in a box is this other thing where like, I remember growing up, my mom was like a dental hygienist or like a dental hygienist, hygienist's assistant or something before she became a teacher. She worked in like a dental office and, um, so she really cared about teeth. So like I never had any candy until I was like five years old or something. Like I never had any sugar. And she was always like, it was super easy to not give you candy because you just didn't know what candy was. And at birthday parties, I would just get fruit and I just never got to try any candy or soda or anything. So I had good teeth or whatever. And she always like had more focus on my teeth than other parts of my health, perhaps, you know? Like thinking back, I got sunburned so bad so many times as a kid. Like I have so many memories of, of laying and laying in my bed at night and the whole backside of my entire body, back of my legs, back of my, my whole back, back of my arms, everything is just like third degree burns, just itching and just hard and scaly and it can't move. And I have to like press down on the bed to, 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 to stop the intense pain and then dabbing different like powdery weird ointments on it. Calamine lotion. Calamine lotion is really the only powdery liquid in the whole world. Dad and Ublek, maybe. Um, anyway, she, my mom had a lot of focus on my teeth and she would frequently even as I was into my 20s, my mom would like look me in the eye and be like, you, she would like be really determined, really like clear and look me in the eye and be like, you have great teeth. And then, you know, you want to be like, mom, stop. Because like when your mom says you're handsome, it's like you get embarrassed. But, and this is a lesson about parenting. It does work though. Because if you tell someone unequivocally something about them, we we sort of hear it as much as how we feel bad about ourselves, all these different things. We It does get absorbed. So there was one layer of me. I had one layer of protection based on how I, my mom had told me I had good teeth. 
so that's me. That's me. That's me. And, um, yeah, my mom was a great mom. She told me a lot of unequivocal things about me. And then she forgot to, you know, sunscreen and she forgot to, I don't know, something. Somehow I came out anxious as fuck anyway, but, but, um, yeah. My wife said a mean thing. I put it in a box. The episode comes up. My teeth look fucked up. And then, as a defense mechanism, obviously, in this state of panic after watching the episode, I have to think of a reason why this is not true, why I don't need teeth surgery. And so I, I came up with two things. And these things might not be true, but I have to hold on to them to have something. One is that the studio is lit with two floodlights. There's a floodlight on the left, lighting the left side of my face, and it's placed just below my face, face level. And then my right side of my face is lit with a ceiling floodlight, ceiling-mounted floodlight. So the right side of my face is only lit from above, and my top lip is blocking the light from on the right side. So if anything, there's a shadow on my right tooth. And then my left tooth is slightly bigger. I know that because after I realized it, I just laid awake, just feeling my front teeth with my tongue all night, just being like, how have I never, how am I 34 years old? And I never realized that my left front tooth is way bigger than my right front tooth. How is it like, how is that possible? And then I was like, no, it's the lighting. It's the lighting. They're the same. And then the other thing is like, I realized that that when I lift my lip to talk, I do it like super asymmetrically. I only move the left side of my face and I only reveal the left side of my teeth, the left half. You know, just stroke victim stuff, just regular old like brain emb embolism survivor stuff. Is that what it's called? It's not a stroke. I don't think that's right. Um, so that's what's been going on with me. Um, so I decided that my teeth are fine and I, I was like, okay, so I got to fix the lighting. So I have a third floodlight here, but it's way weaker. I don't think it's working. I don't think it's working, but there you go. My teeth. I didn't even know that was it. I didn't know what my biggest fear was because I had locked it away in a box and that's going to be a theme for this whole season, how we don't know ourselves. And now I think it's time to drink a little bit of water. Man, these glasses are not clean. Okay, so today we're doing pineapple. We've done pineapple before. It's actually, citrus is a realm that always works really well with sparkling water. Pineapple is this like, from nowhere, it's one of the best ones. And... um Last episode with pineapple we did with Max Loring. <laughs> so Max Loring is dead to me. Um, when I moved down from Seattle to California, I was getting a driver's license. I got a driver's license. I didn't have a car. My girlfriend at the time taught me how to drive. And then I drove away from her and broke up with her. And she is very upset with me about that and it's probably fair it's probably fair that's a different story um no yeah, yeah so i didn't have a car i had only driven a total of maybe 15 hours and i was about to rent a u-haul and pack everything i owned and drive it from seattle to california like all the way down the west coast as i'm moving to california did I say that I'm in California right now? Anyway, um, so as I'm doing that, I'm thinking about it and it's like, I don't really know how to drive and driving a big truck isn't the easiest thing to drive. So I was like, let's recruit a friend to go with me. So I asked around a little bit to see like who's, and I had a lot of unemployed friends at the time. So I... <laughs> I ask all of my unemployed friends a little bit like, hey, would you be interested in this? Like we do a little trip. 
I, we stay at some hotels along the way. I pay for everything. I pay for food and, and lodging. And then like, I'll fly you back and stuff, you know, a little road trip. And you can do most of the driving because I'm not a great driver, but I'm happy to do some of the driving. And then, um, Max Loring was immediately like, I'm on, I'm, a, I'm into it because he's, he likes traveling. Like, ugh, what an insufferable character trait. That being into traveling is like the most unlikable, unlikable. I'm so self-conscious about my front teeth. Unlikable, unlikable. Uh, which is why I always tell people that I'm post-travel, man. <clears throat> I ain't looking good to go anywhere. I'm not, I'm staying put. I'm staying right here. I'm not going anywhere. And he likes to travel, Max Loring, so he was like, I'm into it. Uh, let's do it. I will drive with you. And then I was like, okay, think about it for a couple of days. And then I called him again two days later and he's like, have you thought, I'm asking him if he's thought about it. I'm asking if he, I'm asking for him to confirm. And then he's like, yes, I'm into it 100%. And I tell him the date, I explain the whole thing. And then I say this thing where I'm like, bro, you are known to be a little bit, um, what's the word? Unreliable, flaky. Because Seattle people are super flaky, and he's like 13th generation Seattle working class. <laughs> so, <laughs> so mean. I'm, uh, I don't know. I don't, I'm not going to make this super mean. But yeah, he's super flaky because he's a true Seattleite. And um, so I just say, look. You don't have to do this. I'm not pressuring you to drive with me. But if you say you're going to do it, you have to do it because I have to leave my apartment at a certain date. I rent a car. The car, the truck is booked for certain dates. I have to do it on that date. And if you tell me the day before that date that you can't go anymore, then I won't have time to, then I can't find anyone to drive with me. You know what I mean? Like, it, if you can't do it, just tell me early. So we're approaching and I kind of like try to confirm with him over and over because I just have a bad feeling about it. I'm so stupid. It's all my fault. Can I just take responsibility for the whole thing first off? Um, am I even talking into the right side of this mic? It looks like I am. Um, yeah. So I, uh, you know, confirmed with him like five times. And then... I don't know. I don't like, I'm not going to say exactly what he said because what he ended up saying was kind of like, he wasn't doing so good. Maybe <laughs> the, the silly thing is that like what happened two weeks before was that he, um, I can say this because it, it was super public. He was really into the idea with the GameStop investment thing where it's like a lot of people had shorted GameStop. So they knew that, on a certain date, these short contracts were going to expire and they had to buy a bunch of GameStop. So on that date, it had to go up. So if you made it go up before that, then it would go up even more. So there was this folksy movement of weird, you know, libertarian meet Bernie Sanders nerds who pumped their $1,200 of savings that they had into buying GameStop. You know, registering on Robinhood and buying GameStop. And Ma Max was really into this. And I can say that because everyone knows that because he w kept going on Instagram Live. <laughs> it's so funny. He kept going on Instagram Live and being like, ask me anything about this. I know everything about this. And then you can see that there's like lots of viewers. Ask me anything. We're going in. Take all your money. Put it on GameStop. Personally, I put 15 grand on GameStop blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it's just foolproof. The price has to go up on that date. You buy it now. You're going to make lots of money. Look, I don't have to rub it in. It's all good. I'm just giving you the background. It didn't go so well. I personally think I invested $800 and then it just completely um, caved in on itself. And I think I sold and got like $200 back. You know, Oh, I almost used a gross expression there, but no sweat off on my back. Um, Max put in a lot more. So Matt was, Max was kind of upset. 
And then we were both unemployed and the unemployment was like a little bit up and down and we were on and off kind of depressed about being deployed and unemployed, I mean. And the different things happened, you know. I think he maybe he was just going through some stuff on him, on his own. He stopped responding to my messages like a week before my trip. And then I'm like, okay, can I buy you breakfast tomorrow? Because I just wanted to see him and like see him in person and be like, look, 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 I have to explain to you that this is very important to me. And so he's like, okay, let's have breakfast tomorrow. He responded to one message like that, like that. And then uh, he didn't show up for breakfast. And I call him and I call him and it's me, it's my buddy show, it's my buddy Sam. The three of us have breakfast. The only thing I remember from the... <laughs> from the breakfast is that at one point I was telling a story in the restaurant and I go like this, wah! And I just throw my arms straight out and right at that moment the server is walking past me and I like, <laughs> this fucking superstar server does not drop everything when I slam my arm into a tray of stuff that she's carrying or whatever. And I'm just way too um, animated and um, I'm gesturing too much. Anyway, whatever. Max didn't show up for breakfast. And then um, I, also remember, <laughs> I also remember asking Sho and Sam. I mean, this is a hatchet job on Max, but it's also not a hatchet job. You know, like Max is all right. You know, he's dead to me, but he's all right. <laughs> and I remember asking Sam and Sho and being like, do you guys think he's going to not go with me on this thing that he promised four times and I explained how he has to go otherwise I don't have anyone to go with me and I don't really know how to drive a truck myself across the literally the entire country like we live right by the Canadian border and I'm about to drive to the Mexican border like I'm about to cross an entire not continent but an entire empire contiguous America um I'm asking Sam and Show, and Show goes, this show is so fucking funny because Show is so understated and so quiet about everything. And Show just stirs his coffee with a spoon and he just goes, you know, Joe Kim, there's a reason Max and me aren't closer. <laughs> That's all he said. He didn't say yes. He didn't say no. He was just like, Show, is he really flaky? You know, Joe Kim, there's a reason we're not close. I love show. <sighs> and then um, Max didn't pick up when I called him during breakfast. He never showed up for breakfast. I texted him. And then I started texting him some stressed out texts where I was like, look, it's three, four days away from me driving now. It's too late for me to find someone else. I have started asking people, but now people have made plans. So like – What's going on here? Like, are you not going with me? And then he like never responded to anything after the breakfast, except he he sent me one message where he, it feels mean to say exactly what he said, but he, he was like, he was too depressed or something. He wasn't doing good. His Twitch channel fell apart. You know, different things. He He was going to go on a trip to Central America and then, COVID came back or something and he couldn't go. I don't know why. He, this super manly American man who... Yeah. This character. He texted me and said... He didn't explain anything. He just said, I've been crying all day. That's what he said. And then... I'd been shitting on him in front of my, like with my friends. Like I've been talking to Marissa a lot and I've been shitting on him. I've been like, he's such an unreliable person. And then when he says that, it's kind of like, oh, fuck. Because then I told Marissa that. And then Marissa and me are like, I guess I can't be that mad at him. Like if you're literally calling, pulling the like mental health card where you're like, I'm literally having a breakdown. Then it's like, okay, well, if you're having a breakdown, you're having a breakdown, you know? So he was having a breakdown, so he couldn't go. So yeah, the next part of the story is that the day rolled around. I talked to my sponsor a bunch. My sponsor was like, fuck it, whatever, do it. And he didn't totally grasp the thing of how I had just gotten my license. And look, man, I don't know if I said this on the in season one of the podcast, but when I got my driver's license, it's like 
you you do the driving test and you have to get 80 points to pass, 80 out of 100. And I got exactly 80. I did so many things wrong. I like blasted through an intersection going straight with my blinker signal just going. I, <laughs> the most awkward part was when I, if I already told this story, it's super annoying, but I'm whatever. It's like, the most annoying thing was I, he, the driving instructor in the beginning was like, I'm going to give you instructions and not say a whole lot else. And we're not going to small talk. I'm just going to give you the instructions and we're going to be quiet for the rest of it. And then we coming up, we're coming up on an intersection and he goes, turn right here. And it's a red light. So I come up to the light and it's a red light and I stop and we sit there. And it's for some reason, it's like the longest light ever because we're on a small street coming onto a big street. So we're sitting there for a long time. And then at the end of it, he's like, you know you're allowed to turn right on red, right? So we just sat there that entire awkward time and I should have turned. Ugh. And it's one of those things where I was sitting there all nice, like just waiting for it to turn green, not knowing that I was in the middle of like a 90 second mistake, like a mistake that just sort of like, he's just stewing in 90 seconds of my mistake. And I'm sitting there all happy, like not knowing that I'm, that with every second of not moving, I'm continuing with a mistake. Whatever. And then he told me to back around a corner. And when you back around a corner, you have to um, not hit the curb with the wheel, with the tire, and not get too far away from the curb. I don't know. It's a, some exercise of how you have to be able to back out of a driveway, but they do it around a rounded corner. And look, man. I didn't do it. I couldn't do it. I hit the curb immediately. And then I was like, can I have one more try? And he's like, not really. And I was like, I'm going to try one more time. And I just hit the curb again. It's like, okay, you get no more tries. And then he told me to um, parallel park, which in Swedish is called fikpakera, to pocket park. I really think that's such a cute Swedish expression. Pocket parking. Because um, it's a pocket. And you kind of like get, get yourself all snug into the pocket, you know? So couldn't pocket park. Um Oh, God. It was so awkward. It was very awkward. I um, pulled in front of the car in front, got it all nice. Everything's aligned. I go in. I go in. I cut it too sharp. I just hit the curb. I go up again. I hit the curb again. He's like, no more tries. I made all those mistakes, but he was like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why he gave me a driver's license, but he gave me a driver's license and I don't know how to drive a car. And I'm about to drive to California and that's the situation I'm in. And the person who was going to do most of the driving bailed on me. So it's just me and this huge truck and my sponsor is like, fuck it, you're fine. You can do it. And um, he's like, I drove from, you know, Boston to blah, 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 to Wakachiki or whatever, you know, some long distance between places I've never heard of. Um, and he's like, and I was still drinking or whatever. I was still drinking and drugging. Um, yes, okay, but maybe you had had a license for a while. But um, so I get on the road and stuff, and it was it was pretty cool. I did one bad thing as I was moving out, like the last night in my apartment. Oh, am I even going to say this? I feel so guilty about it. Okay, let's say it. Um, on the last night of my apartment, I had to sleep somewhere. And I didn't, like, really have a friend's house to sleep at. I didn't want to impose on anyone. I was feeling a little bit shitty. I already felt like my buddy, my only buddy, Max, already flaked on me. I don't got anyone. Fuck this city. I'm moving out of here. It's not true. There are people in that city that I love, you know. Marissa is, like, one of my favorite people in the whole universe. And if I'd asked her, she would have let me sleep on her floor. Be that as it may. Um, the last night I needed to sleep somewhere and I packed everything up and I needed to leave that morning. So I just kept my mattress and I didn't take it to the dump on the last day. Instead, I kept it for the last night and I slept on it. And then the next morning when I'm leaving early in the morning, I just sort of take this enormous California queen. Is that an expression? California queen, large mattress. And I just like pulled it out to the curb and I just dragged it 
a block down the street where there's a homeless encampment. I say homeless encampment, but it's like three homeless people. And I just like threw a mattress. I littered. I just like threw this mattress on the sidewalk. And I was so paranoid doing that. As I'm saying it, it's like, no one gives a shit. But I was so paranoid doing that. My, I felt like I was committing that there was some sort of heist going on. Like I was, I had to do it quickly. And I was like looking around to make sure no one saw me. You know, I like to follow the rules, which reminds me of uh, this ex-girlfriend I had that me and Sebastian, we lived with her for a while. Her and me and Sebastian and Eric Wong, and she was great. And she had this thing that her English was really good. She was Taiwanese, but her one flaw in her English perfect pronounced English, but her one flaw was that she added S's to things too much. So she always said, the, the example sentence that me and Sebastian, the thing that stuck that we would say to each other years later, because it's just so cute and so funny, was like, she'd say things like, she likes to follow the rules. And she would just add an S to every word. Because if you add, yeah, I don't know, I was going to say, if you add an, if you add too many S's, you can't go wrong, but you're going wrong, but it's all good. Um, yeah, I like to follow the rules and that's why I likes to follow the rules and that's why I was stressed out as fuck, um, dumping a mattress in the dumpster fire, which is Seattle. We lost Seattle to the liberals, y'all. We lost, we lost the cities to the homeless people is what, is what rural America says. There's this funny thing where... America is in a state of, there's like a war, there's like a cultural civil war that will never break out into a real civil war because people are too lazy. But there are two camps and they hate each other and they have like these opposing narratives. And then sometimes you come up with, you run into, if you, like me, just fluidly spend a lot of time in both worlds because I don't give a fuck, like... I'm living in a world of anti-vaxxers, you know, like no one around me. When Javi heard that I was getting vaccinated, the guy I'm living with, when he heard I was getting vaccinated, he was like, wow, you'll be the only person I know who's getting vaccinated. So that's the world I'm living in, okay? So the an ex a funny example to me of opposing narratives is like here, <laughs> up here in the mountains where we live, people love to talk about how like you cannot go to San Francisco. You cannot go there. It's so dangerous. Like, it's impossible. Like, you can't even, you can't walk through it. You can't drive through it. You can't park because you'll get robbed. You'll get stabbed immediately. Like, someone will, a naked person will, like, set fire to your car. Like, crazy. People are terrified. That's what they say here about there. You can't go there anymore. And then my uncle lives in San Francisco, outside of, in the, you know, San Francisco has a lot of different things, but on the outskirts. And then he is brainwashed by, um, he just watches Fox News every day. I didn't know that these people existed. It sounds like a um, straw man argument. It sounds like a thing where you're attacking someone who doesn't really exist. But... It's true. Let me just see if it's still recording. Oh, man. I'm so surprised that this is even working. Like, last... The first time I recorded the episode, it's like... The sound worked out. The video worked out. I could put it together. It was nothing. So surprising to me. Surprising that the technology wasn't harder. Um, another funny thing from the first episode... I digress, but another funny thing, if you watch the video, it's like I have this shock mount mounted to the mic stand, and with every five minute, it's like it just slightly tilts down. So if you fast forward through it, you can see this like glacial movement where the mic goes from being right by my face to collapsing down and being in my lap at the end of the one-hour video. So over like one hour, it moves one inch. Anyway... My uncle is super um, brainwashed by Fox News. He just he just has Fox News on always, sound on. Just he just has it on in the background as you're hanging out, and it's like 
it's like I get the thing of just like, it's nice to have a little bit of sound and stuff, but it's like, you shouldn't have Fox News on, dude. Like your brain is being worked on by people who have a mold that they're trying to fit your brain into. Like that, everyone knows that. Who doesn't know that? And it's like, I'm not saying you should have CNN on because CNN is disconnected from reality too. But, but don't have Fox News just on. It's ridiculous. So he's terrified of the border crisis. He's terrified of all these things. But one of the things that they do on the more local Fox uh, propaganda thing is that they, they talk about how, um, they talk about how Tahoe, Lake Tahoe, you can't go there anymore. There's no snow anymore. And we kind of live by ta- Lake Tahoe and it's like, there's snow. And then I, he says that and he just kept being like, you can't go to Tahoe anymore. Like Tahoe is over. You can't go to Tahoe. And it's just a funny mirrored thing for me how people around here, around Tahoe are like, you can't go to San Francisco. It's over. And in San Francisco, they're like, you can't go to Tahoe, it's over. And then the result is that you have these two groups of people that don't talk to each other because they no longer go to each other's places. Um, yeah. Where was I? Anyway, I, I drove down myself. And it was sketchy. It was really sketchy. There's a part, if you drive all the way from Seattle to... California, there's a part um, just as you're about to cross in Oregon, as you're about to cross into California, it's called Siskiyou Pass. My sponsor was like, you're going to be fine. Just drive the truck. Just take it easy, whatever. But, and he was like, but there's a thing called Siskiyou Pass and you have to be careful because this is one of the most treacherous highways in all of America. It goes at a very steep incline up between these mountains, there's snow and ice and then down. And it's like the inclines are crazy. Your truck, the... <sighs> it was terrifying. It was terrifying. I camped out. I like got a hotel room at the foot of the mountain. Also, the, the first night I'm driving, I drove for like 10 hours. And then as I'm, as it's getting dark, I'm, I'm like, I want to get a hotel room. And right when I start thinking about it, I've just passed the last cities and there were no more cities. And now I'm driving in the mountains and they like had no more cities. And then I had to drive two more hours in the dark, in the snow with this enormous U-Haul truck full of stuff. And like, yeah, I really figured that truck out though. I drove that truck about 900 miles. Yeah. Um, And then... um, I camped out. I got a hotel room. I don't know why I keep saying camped out. I got a a decent hotel room in whatever's called over there, Ashland, before you hit Siskiyou Pass. And then um, my sponsor kept being like, you got to check the weather report to make sure that it's not like super icy or actively snowing or anything like that. Because then you have to wait. You can't drive through there. You're going to crash. The truck is not going to, you won't be able to do it. So I'm like nervous. And then there was this other weird thing with my uncle. I actually asked my uncle if he wanted to fly up and drive with me. And he was like, no, I won't do that because of COVID, but I'll pay for you to ship everything. And then I was too much of a man to to accept that offer. So I just drove instead. And the whole thing was like, if I crash and die, it'll be so stupid that I didn't just take his offer. Um, but there was this other stupid thing where like, I hadn't, I told my mom someone was driving with me and then I never told her that the guy flaked on me. And then as I'm driving, I'm like calling my uncle because he knew about it because I'd asked him if he wanted to drive with me. And then halfway through the drive, before I'm driving through the this snowy mountain pass, I'm talking to my uncle on the phone and I'm like, it's, it's going all right. And he goes, oh yeah, yeah, your mom is, your mom is a little bit worried. And he just said this like vague thing where I was like, you told my mom that no one's driving with me. Like, I didn't tell her that. Like, why did you tell my mom? And then, <laughs> and then I hung up with, uh, hung up on my uncle and I called my mom 
And then I tell her that, like, okay, so I understand that. No, I sent her a voice message. I sent her, like, a four-minute voice message where I was, like, trying to explain, like, it's going well. I'm driving slowly. I'm taking it super easy. I'm checking the weather. I'm not going to drive if it's super icy. I understand that Uncle Dan told you that I'm driving alone. And then she responds, and she's like, he didn't tell me that. And he just set me up. It was just a trap. We made it sound like he had told my mom so that I would tell my mom. (laughs) I got outsmarted. I got outsmarted by old man Uncle Dan. Because that man, you know, you think the Fox News has fried his brain, but he's got a couple of chess pieces left up up his sleeve, you know, and they're three-dimensional. Um, And then, you know, the time came and I drove through Siskiyou Pass and it was terrifying. It was terrifying. And there are all these signs for like, how they want, if you drive a big truck, they want you to pull over and check your brakes. But it, that's for more if you have like an 18-wheeler. But I'm really like, whoa, I've never even seen a sign like that. I didn't, I didn't even know we had mountain passes this dangerous. And then on the downhill where it's snowy, the big U-Haul truck, it's like an old shitty truck, you know, that people have been renting and driving the shit out of for years i'm braking you know and the brakes are like giving up and the brakes are screaming and the whole truck is like shaking and the incline is like crazy and it's like super weavy like it's like sharp turn brakes are just screaming and sharp turn the brakes are just screaming and i'm like i don't even know how to drive and it was my heart was racing and then i got into california and it's like it flattens out and I was like, so, it felt so good because suddenly you go from like this snowy, horrible, humid, dark, cloudy, Swedish-esque situation that they are doing in the state of Washington and Oregon. And then you hit California and it's like immediately everything is basking in golden sunlight and everything is yellow. Like all the nature is just beautiful lush yellow said no one ever but that's what it looks like it's just like gold man and you drive and it's like suddenly i have the sense of like freedom i'm driving this big u-haul truck and then you hit mount shasta and it's like if you live in seattle there's this thing where you can always or you can frequently see mount rainier in the distance mount rainier is an enormous mountain enormous so it's actually pretty far from Seattle, but there are many lookout points in Seattle where on a clear day you can see all of Mount Rainier. And like some people are crazy about Mount Rainier and they will like, you drive over, oh yeah, I don't know. I just hated it the whole time. It's like a stupid mountain. Like who cares? Who cares? And all of University of Washington, the biggest university in Seattle, the whole layout of the campus is made so that there's a center promenade facing Mount Rainier so that on a clear day, wherever you're walking, you walk like, and you can see Mount Rainier in the very, in the far distance. It's like, great guys. Great. Everything sucks, but you can see Mount Rainier, whatever. Anyway, when you hit Mount Shasta, it's a lot like that. And you see this, you're on the highway and you turn and between the mountains, there's this enormous mountain looming in the distance. And even though it actually looked a lot like Mount Rainier, like I think if you blind tasted people on these mountains, they look kind of similar. You could, you could fool someone. The mountain is off there, off yonder. And it's like, it's got a little bit of like a wreath of clouds around it. And it's just like a beautiful mountain. And then the thing is... And this is not something I've ever experienced with Mount Rainier. The thing is that the highway going to here, where I'm at, you're turning and you you turn and you see Mount Chasta between the mountains. And then you keep going. And then it opens up even bigger. And Mount Chasta is just enormous. And then it just keeps getting bigger and bigger until you're driving around the foot of this enormous Mount Fuji-esque incredibly scenic, just dramatic mountain. Absolutely dramatic. How's my teeth looking? Yeah, so it, that was just beautiful because I was just like coming off of this like fear high of it coming through Siskiyou Pass. And um, 
Yeah. And then Shasta just gets bigger and bigger. And until I'm like at Shasta and you drive through the town of Shasta or whatever at the foot of Mount Shasta. And you find out that Shasta isn't just a brand of sparkling water because that's what I knew. I knew that there's a brand of sparkling water because I understand the world through sparkling water. Okay. Speaking of which, I never, I never had one. And yeah, eventually I just got here and it was nice, you know, it was nice. Everything about it was a little bit magical, but I made it here safe. But I decided that Max Loring, like, he fucked me up, flaking on me like that. And he's dead to me. Now, could he apologize? Yeah. But it's like, that's not part of the manly, you know, that's not part of the manly way of doing things. He's too much of a man for that. Man, he has such self-image issues. Like, I remember working with him at Babar, and he's so funny. He would, like, he would always see himself as this, like, cool bad guy. So he would show me pictures on his phone of, like, like illustrations from, like, fantasy novels where there's like some demon sitting in like a garden of fire and like grass and trees and some sort of evil landscape. And there's like a demon with a bowl of fruit and the demon is just like holding an apple. And he's all like, that's me, man. That's me. I'm like a villain, bro. I'm just like that guy. I'm like a villain in like a demon garden, you know? It's like, bro, what are you talking about? (laughs) Like, I think you're more like a server in a restaurant. Like me, you know, takes one to no one. You know, I don't think you're, I don't think you're a villain. That's also a thing where you, you, I mean, if you have people living in reality, thinking of themselves as villains, uh, isn't that just an excuse to kind of like be rude and stuff sometimes? Like, aren't you just kind of rude? Like, isn't that just how you like justify having like shitty, shitty opinions and shitty political beliefs and like. I don't know, voting for Donald Trump. I'm such a villain, you know? Oh, I'm voting for Donald Trump. It's like, okay, great. Racism isn't real. I'm I'm a villain. Yeah, who knows? Um, But the reason I was talking about Max Loring is because last time we did a pineapple episode, we did it in Max Loring's apartment. And those were some great waters. And we actually did it like that. Oh, yeah, we did it like that because he's obsessed with pineapples. And he has a pineapple tattoo and a pineapple thing hanging on his wall. And his favorite sparkling water is pineapple. And it's like um, maybe Simple Truth Organic. Just like a regular grocery store one that's pineapple flavored. Very good. So let's let's go to the water now. How, where are we at time-wise? All right, we're at 48 minutes and we haven't had a single water, so maybe we'll just do all of them. So we got three pineapple-flavored waters today. Two of them are coconut pineapple, and one of them is straight pineapple. First one, Day Trip, CBD-infused. I remember reviewing one of these with Max, actually, and, and he re- he started talking about how it says California beverages on it, and he he has this chip on his shoulder about living in Washington and how he's mad that... California is such a great brand. He's mad that people like California, but they do because it's nice here. This morning I was talking to my mom and it's like, we've just been living under a um, blanket of thick smoke for two weeks. And yesterday I even had a little bit of a headache from just like being inside all the time. Cause I don't, who wants to hang out when it's like really smoky outside so I'm just inside and it's kind of giving me a headache and I'm like going to the gym and I'm like trying to get out a little bit, but still like, and then my mom was like, so why do you live there? Why do you live there? Cause my mom really wants me to move back to Sweden. It's a little bit heartbreaking. Um, but you know, mama Eva, everyone wants to live in California and it's nice as fuck. It's so nice here. I think it's just cause I've never had a car before. And it's just like living in a beautiful place like this, a little bit up in the mountains and driving around in the mountains. And there's lookout points everywhere with these like incredible, beautiful valleys. And then there's forest fires. Like when the Colfax fire happened, 
I mean, I just got a text from this girl I had recently broken up with and we hadn't really talked since the breakup and she's just like, keep an eye on the fire. I can't even remember how she worded it, but she was like, there's a big fire, keep an eye out. And I had noticed that like the light in the apartment is a little bit weird. Like it's kind of dark and brown or like just like a weird disaster movie filter on everything. <clears throat> so I step out and I step out into the porch and somehow on the mountainside that I'm living on, the porch is facing the fire perfectly. And the fire is not super close. It's like Colfax is like, it's a 20 minute drive or something but it's right in front of me. And it's like this enormous, I can see that both sides of it. It's just like this enormous purple plume of weird, like just plastic burning or whatever, because it's a city on fire. You know, it's like a forest around a city setting fire to a city. And it's just like a, so many colors of smoke and it's so wide. And then I was like, okay, we had a little bit of a situation. These fires move pretty quickly. And I was like, what do I got to do? And I, you know, put my passport in my car and, you know, you just pack up a couple of things, put both my computers in the car. You know, we good. I'll just drive off. And then I check and I have no gas. So I'm like, okay, I'll just get a tank of gas and then I'm ready if the fire comes. And then <laughs> all the gas stations were like, you couldn't even get into the gas stations because the line of cars was like going out into the, into the street. And then I finally found a gas station that you could get into. And the reason you could get into it was because all the pumps were broken except one. But I could at least get in there and get in line. And then the lady in front of me had all these gas tanks that she was like filling up. And it was just like, it's just everything is action, you know? Everything is kind of exciting around here. Because then I'm standing there outside of my car waiting to refill the gas. And I can just see the plume of smoke just bending, going west. No, going east towards like Lake Tahoe, just like bending. So half of the sky is just brown and half of the sky is blue. And there's just like our convoys of um, fire trucks and like weird vehicles, like weird um, bobcats and, and just weird vehicles that can move dirt because moving dirt is a big part of putting out a fire, which is something I didn't know. My friends made fun of me the first time when there was a fire on one of our properties and and like it was like, and I was like, so you, I said something about how you got to, you just pour some water on it. And they're like, you don't pour water on it when it's a, you don't pour water on forest fires. You pour dirt on it. You, <clears throat> you get a shovel or you get something. Yeah. Anyway. Um, my mom asked me why I'm living in California and it's like, same reason it says California beverages on this. Because people love California. Coconut pineapple. Very gentle smell. Almost nothing. Now, everyone knows coconut is terrible. Pineapple in sparkling water is delicious. Coconut water is difficult for me. Coconut flavored sparkling water, like the coconut LaCroix or whatever. Everyone thinks it tastes like sunscreen. I don't even know why it's still on the shelf. So these, you know, if you take something good and mix it with something bad, what do you get? Oh, wow. Hmm. It's got like three things going on. There is a weird oily sunscreen reminiscent um, coconut flavor. And then there's a very gentle pineapple flavor. Almost can't even notice it. But it is nice, and it is there, and it adds a little bit of sweetness, and it adds a lot of acidity. And that acidity cleans up a lot of the oiliness of the coconut, making it kind of balanced. And then there's this third thing of like, um, I mean, these day trip, they, oh yeah, especially the aftertaste. Ooh, it's hemp. There's so much hemp flavor going on. These are CBD infused. CBD infused sparkling water, 10 milligrams of CBD per can. Man, how I wish that CBD was, excuse me, immediately, immediately a, a burp. I apologize. I wish CBD was real and that it worked. Oh, 
just looking at the side of this can, I can just tell that it's like, the fonts are really nice. So I can tell that they're going to write something nice. Tropical warmth of coconut without the sticky sweetness. Lighthearted enough to hang with friends and clear-headed enough to crack open after a long day. A day trip that lights the senses and opens the mind to new possibilities. Because here in the golden state, ugh. Uh, now I immediately feel grossed out that I said all those good things about California. Because people who like California are kind of insufferable. Because here in the golden state, escaping the ordinary is in our DNA. Okay, yeah. Scratch everything good I said about California. Californians are insufferable. We are daytrip.com. This is good. Some of these are too hempy. This one is really good. The pineapple cleans it up. Cleans up the rich oiliness of the hemp, of the coconut, all of it. It's very good. It's a surprising good because I don't, the day trips I haven't been a huge fan of. Oh, everything about this can is so designed. Even the barcode, they put like palm trees into the barcode. Let me show that to the camera. You see that? Little palm, palm trees. Yeah, that's an eight out of 10. That's very surprising. Second one here, extremely low uh, expectations. Yerbe. These have all been absolutely awful. Absolutely awful. Pineapple coconut. 100 milligrams of caffeine. What time is it? Can I drink this? Ooh, this is gonna... Actually, I feel good. I slept like five hours. I need like nine hours of sleep. I only got five last night. I had three cups of coffee. I feel good. A little bit more caffeine means the day is not over yet. Yerbe. Coconut pineapple. No smell. Slight, slight aspartame smell. What does that taste like? Okay. Okay. I walk into it with literally the lowest expectations in the whole world. It's bad, but like it's a too much aspartame, too much sweetener, too much fake sweetener. But it's mostly fake sweetener and a little bit of, because it's mate, it's tea, right? So it's got this little bit of uh, the bitterness, you know, like that nice, wholesome bitterness of tea. Round, nice tea bitterness. It's got some of that. And then just like this super light fluttering of coconut and pineapple. Almost nothing. Almost nothing. 51% aspartame though, so I just want to have a couple more sips to to get some caffeine, you know? Yeah, that's five out of ten. That's the kind of thing where like if I'm thirsty and I really need some caffeine, I might actually drink an entire can of that. It's not that bad. Because there's plenty of sparkling waters where, hey, no thanks. There's plenty of bad sparkling water out there. Oh, there's a reason we don't. There's a reason usually I review one and then we talk a little bit and then I wait to review another one. It feels a little bit much to to have another one right uh, after those ones. Uh, but we're almost at an hour. Oh, because it's like I didn't even burp from that second one. And now it's like, oh, what else is going on? I um, woke up this morning to... Um, An email where um, I wrote a novel, which is something I've mentioned on the podcast. And this morning I woke up to an email from a Swedish publisher that said that he pasted what his editor had said. His editor had read the novel. His editor had some very nice things to say about the novel. And then the CEO of the publishing house emailed me and said that he wanted to cooperate with me, which is not the same as simply saying he wants to publish my book but he wants to offer me a deal because it sounds like in sweden there's a lot of deals where maybe you 
don't get an advance. Instead, you you have to pay like two grand up front and then they edit and they want to translate. Yeah. I'll probably do a whole episode on all the weird responses I've gotten because I've um, sent out the novel to a lot of agents and a lot of them have responded in very interesting ways. I'll probably print out a lot of... I No one is selling my novel or buying or whatever you want to say, but... So they're all rejection letters, but a lot of them are, like, very interesting. And I'll probably do an episode where I, like, read 10 of the rejection letters. Because, you know, I just appreciate that people sat down and read the entire thing and fucking had a lot of things to say about it. And I understand that getting rejected is... A pretty good novel can get rejected, I believe, because, you know... <clears throat> for an agent to take on a novel, they have to, um, oh, I feel uncomfortable talking about this. For, no, for an agent to take on a novel, they have to believe in it so much that they will spend the next six months of their life or months going to publishers and selling in this novel and selling how this is a very good product that the publishing house can make a lot of money on. And it's like, so it's not just that it needs to be like, ooh, this was a fun read. It has to really be like what works right now for the market, blah, 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 all that stuff. So it's like, I think an agent can think a novel is pretty good before they decide to commit to selling it. So um, on that note, I've gotten a lot of letters with people having, yeah, weird ones. I'll probably do a whole episode where I read a couple of those and talk through where I'm at. It'll be good. <sighs> Very, uh, I'll just, the last thing I'll say about it is like sending out lots of queries and having uh, lots of people get back to me and be like, thanks, but no thanks is definitely way less depressing than I thought. I thought it was going to be super depressing, but I think I've also done a lot of um, personal work and I've gotten to a point where I check the email and I get the email and I see that there's a new email and I know that it's about the novel and I don't have a lot of feelings about it. I'm chilling. Like I'm not afraid of opening that email. And when, when they, when it's a thanks, but no thanks, I'm not devastated. It almost doesn't even do a, it doesn't even blip on my system. Let's do the third sparkling water. Spindrift. This is very famous. Much more famous than the other two. Spindrift you can get everywhere. Target, for example. Um, the thing with Spindrift, they're a little bit different. They're not this. They're not essenced. Like Lacroix is sparkling water uh, flavored with essenced fruits. We don't really know what that means, but it's something where they take a little bit of some sort of flavoring agent from the fruit and put that in the sparkling water and it and it gives you a product with no calories and no sweetener and nothing in it. There's nothing in it and just a hint of flavor. Whereas Spindrift is actual juice. So Spindrift is, it just says sparkling water and real squeezed fruit. Yep, that's it. We've reviewed a couple of these before. I don't like all of them. Um, pineapple. Oh, as I'm drinking, I'm like, oh, there's nothing that like just makes it more clear that I have a super weak chin than when I drink sparkling water on the cam. So there's that. Um, Spindrift pineapple. It's delicious. I'm cheating. I've had this before. It's incredible. It's so good. It's like better than whatever that one that we had with Max. That was his favorite, which I believe was Simple Truth Organic Pineapple, which was just a very simple, light, sparkling water, super crispy, good bubbles, gentle pineapple. This is like a little bit more. This is like real pineapple juice and just so good. Super fizzy, kind of strong pineapple. Oh, it's good. How much juice? 15 calories. Like, who has a problem with that? 15 calories. That's all good. I feel like it says 
oh, 8% juice. I was going to say 12. 8% juice. Who knew that that's the sweet spot, you know? Because more than this would be too much. Oh, it's so good. Oh. Yeah, I'm going to drink that whole one. Uh, 10 out of 10. Spindrift pineapple. 10 out of 10. All right. Was there anything else that... uh, I don't know. I have to say, though, that like um, season one of the podcast, the first 50 episodes, the the tail end, the tail end, I was kind of running out of things to say. Because when you do them every week and some of them are more than an hour, like I told all the stories of everything that happened to me and there wasn't that much left. Um, so at the, some of those episodes there at the end aren't that long and some of them are maybe not the best ones. Maybe the first half of the first season is the best. Um, maybe the middle, because the beginning was a little bit like the technology wasn't good yet. But now that I've taken a, now after like a six month hiatus, I, a lot of things happened and, um, I had a lot of, I think it'll be easier to just let it rip. It was also good for my mental health to take a break. Cause like sometimes you need to stop examining your mental health and just let it, let it out into the wild excuse me and just see how you feel and then go back to therapy like maybe it's good to not always be in therapy maybe it's good to sometimes just give it four months and just see how you are without therapy and then make sure to go back to therapy because as we covered last episode this is you know this is in lieu of therapy as they say um all right let me just yeah that's the episode that's the episode thank you for listening everyone thank you for listening